0: That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table, I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife Rachel Campos Duffy.
2: It's so great to be back at the kitchen table, Sean, and as I read the script it says here we're joined by the host of Trey Gowdy podcast and the Sunday Night in America host on Fox News, he's also the author of the new book, Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision Making, Trey Gowdy. I don't like this script because he's just our friend.
0: (laughs) I was like... You out, really our re-
2: friend, <laughs> and this book is awesome. And as soon as I saw the title, I knew I wanted to read the book. Um, as soon as I read the book and so many of the things in it were relatable to our own life, I was like, we got to have Trey on the show. And so, Trey, welcome to the kitchen table.
3: You're so kind, Rachel. Um, and I- I'm sorry, I missed the other name. Is it Sean?
2: It's Sean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's that right guy.
1: Okay. Uh, the, the story uh, Ray- of my life, Trey. The story of my life. Sure. Before we
2: before we talk about the book, why don't you tell the story about when we were at orientation and I had all I had a baby and I handed you the baby. And what happened?
3: uh, Well, I remember it a lot less flatteringly to your husband than what you just (laughs) described. I I mean, y'all were famous. Y'all are have been television stars since you were teenagers. And the rest of us were kind of mesmerized. So there's Sean Duffy holding an infant in his arm but he's trying to make a plate of food and i'm <laughs> frankly worried that he's going to drop uh the little girl so i said look it's been a while for me but i'm happy to hold your, your child while you make your plate and i he said that'd be great you know thank you so much and i said you what's her name and he said honestly we have so many i don't remember <laughs>
1: And I, I think I went, got a plate, sat down and ate. And I'm like, "Oh, Trey Gowdy has my child." (laughs) Uh, You know what?
2: I'm going to finish this plate.
3: (laughs) But I'll tell you what, my favorite story. We're we're there for a presidential debate. I don't even remember which one it was.
1: Uh, Let's not talk about that. Let's
2: do it. Let's Uh, go. Go. No,
3: but Rachel is under the weather. I mean, Rachel is 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 not feeling great. She's got a house full of children. She's invited neighbors over. She's making snacks. So she's sick. She's got company. She's got uh, me there with you, Sean, doing whatever it is we were doing. She's entertaining. And she's got a child on one hip making food for her guest with the other. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Paul Ryan's right. Sensenbrenner's right. All the people from Wisconsin are right. The wrong person is in Congress. It should not be <laughs> Sean Duffy. It should be anybody who can do all of what she did. And I was exhausted watching her. I mean, not enough to get up and help, but I was. Yeah, exhausted I know. Watching I her. noticed
2: you sat there. You know what? I actually have a friend who says, Rachel, I woke up today and I thought about you and I got really tired.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I tell one other thing, Sean?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I keep going, right. keep embarrassing me. No, 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 <laughs> <About> no. It's <laughs>
3: embarrassing both of us. So I'm, I'm visiting y'all. I'm having the time of my life in Wisconsin. For some reason, you had me flying to an airport that was nowhere near where y'all live. So we had to drive all the way across the state, and we we're did. doing our first event. And Rachel is coming with us. And Rachel's job is to introduce you and me. And she starts talking. And about 45 minutes later, the crowd, they're on their their feet, they're cheering, they're clapping, they're going nuts. And then it was either you or me that were up to talk next. And you began to see the people filing out of the room when it was our turn. And at the end, Sean, it was just me and you talking to one another at the end of the event.
1: I think the way that story goes is Rachel went for about 10 minutes and they loved it. And then you went for... 40 minutes and they're on their feet and then I went and they all started filing out I think that's the, no. the story that goes I, I remember the one time you took me to the 2012 debate I think was it in Greenville the presidential primary debate in was it in Greenville I think it was yes and I was so exhausted doing Congress kids at home we got to the debate and I I think I stayed awake for about 45 minutes to an hour of the debate but at the end I started dozing off and all of a sudden you're like hey you better wake up. We we might have a camera on us. <laughs> <laughs> Open your eyes. Yeah. Which, by the way, yeah. was I, I had never been to Greenville. that uh, which is which is your hometown, right? You you're from Greenville.
3: I, w- I was born in Greenville and I worked there. We live right next door in Spartanburg.
1: In Spartanburg, that's right. So it was it was it is one of the most beautiful places I've been. Really? What a oh, it is South Carolina. This I'm part South. of the country is gorgeous, and I thought Wisconsin's nice, and we are. But man, South Carolina people. Oh, I know were in it, the winter time, nuts. Trey,
2: I remember saying, Sean, why couldn't you be from South Carolina?
3: <laughs> now, refresh my recollection, Rachel. You're not from Wisconsin. I have Arizona yeah. in my head, but I couldn't. Yeah, be right. I'm
2: from Arizona. So those, okay. I never got used to the winter. I love the summers in Wisconsin. Absolutely. I mean, it's like magical. It's just the most beautiful place. The winters are brutal. Um, so you, the- you love
3: the forty-eight hours of summertime in
1: Wisconsin. And I do
2: those forty-eight hours. I I just cherish. I cherish.
1: It might be forty-eight days, but still not very long. You, very you
2: long. know, Trey, what what I want to get back to this book because I think Sean, I've been through a lot. You know, in our life, we've been married what twenty-three, 23 going on 23, 24 years. 24 years. Like that. We've had a lot of things going on in our life, but I think the most excruciating decision that we had to make in our life was to leave Congress when when it happened i was pregnant with valentina i knew that she had down's and a heart condition um there were a lot of things on the family front that we just thought weren't weren't right things the, the wheels were kind of coming off this bus that we had you know this of our life and we just it it was a great 10 years but i didn't want to change because i just you know i was i was 8 months pregnant and i didn't want to change We'd probably debated whether to stay or go for about a year of just talking about it and going over it. We we do what Sean and I call "beat beat a dead horse." And um, but anyway, the decision was made. I think Sean was the one most in favor of doing it. And I looked at this book of yours and all the things that people can do to make a decision and and how to make big decisions in your
1: life big and small which I'm pretty answer that trade just to be clear um I made the decision that's right and Rachel did not want to make this decision to leave Congress uh, and kind of like you I think Terry makes a lot of the decisions in your household Rachel makes a lot of decisions in my household but I reserve a few now and again but every couple of years down. I might yeah. be like oh, I'm gonna call one. the ball on this one
2: he did he did he, he and, called the ball he was so certain that this was the right thing for our family. Well,
1: after you left, Trey, what? there's nothing else to stick in progress for. You go, yes, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to stay here anymore. Trey Trey Gowdy's gone. Paul Ryan's gone. It's it, depressing.
2: You had you to know, make the same decision, by the way, Trey. So what is the art of decision making?
3: Well, I think it is. I think you both put your finger on it. It is kind of what do you value most in life? And for all of, of what Sean accomplished while he was there, there were things that he missed that he could never get back. So what I imagine when you and Sean look, you know, fast forward your 75th wedding anniversary or your 80th birthday, what is it that you kind of want people to remember most about you? And I thought Sean was a fantastic member of Congress and it's hard to kind of step out of, I don't want to speak for Sean, but no one in my life thought I'd ever be in the House of representatives I, they you know prison maybe, but not the House <laughs> of representatives so that,
1: that was that was fine. me too
3: <laughs> So here we are, shocking every teacher we ever had and and yet you voluntarily walk away, and for me, it was because Congress was just not part of what I saw um at the end. It's not what I want Terry people to tell Terry that they. Remember the courtroom, yes, um, but not but not Congress. And what makes it challenging is it's so hard to get back in. I mean, you think, well, I'll get out, and then when our youngest is in high school, or when you know our kids are more established, maybe I'll get back in. But there are no guarantees that you'll ever get back in, or can ever get back in. So there's a certain you know humility, I think, Sean, in saying I'm leaving on my own terms. And I realized I may never get to go back. It just was not, it's weird, Rachel. Sometimes we love our coworkers. And I loved working with your husband. I I, I loved it. Um, he's the reason I picked that terrible office. I picked my first year. I <laughs> loved being around him. So on that, you know, on that side of the ledger, you love your coworkers, but you don't love the work. And you know, Sean, unless something happened. After we switched offices, he's still sleeping in his office.
0: Yeah, um,
3: it, it's you're showering in what can only be described as a Shawshank Redemption uh, shower, Jim. <laughs> it, it's um, for all the you know people think it's glamorous, and you get yeah, to meet all glad. these famous people. The two most famous people I met are the two people I'm on the podcast with.
1: See what I, what I love is. Trey never charged me, but he in South Carolina, it's a little more Republican than the district I had in Wisconsin, yeah, and I had tough races, and I remember many a night I'd walk down to Trey's office when he then he actually had a Shawshank Redemption view into the middle of the the it was it was all brick. you look there's no there's no grass, the courtyard of uh-huh. the Rayburn building like was the office the that <laughs> he had yes, it was a prison. And I'd go down there and we'd look at ads, and by the way, Tray already seen all the ads that were running. In my district and other districts, you follow, you, follow, you follow politics very well. You never charge me for those uh, counseling sessions, Trey, which I appreciate. But you make a, a really good point about, and again, you talk about this in the book. But what's the story of your life? What do you want to be remembered for? And I always thought, like, like you, I'm like, well, when I'm 80 years old, do I, am I going to go, wow, I, you know, I passed that bill that no one even remembers anymore? I, I gave a great floor speech, or is it? that that I was a good dad, that I was a good husband that I gave to my family and I raised my kids the best I could. And, and I think in your case, with regard to the courtroom, it's like, you know what, I made my community a better place by the work that I do in a courtroom. And especially as prosecutors, you make your community safer. You, you, you take bad people and make sure that those bad people um, spend a lot of time behind bars, keeping your neighbors safer. And that is really, that's great and noble work. And like you, I, um, I, was some of my most enjoyable time was in a courtroom and some of the most rewarding work. It didn't pay anything, but the work was rewarding.
2: But if I hear you guys talking, I feel like you're kind of dissing Congress. I mean, I think you guys did really important work there. And so I hope that what I'm getting from you guys is that maybe it's about the amount of time in Congress versus being in Congress. Is that right, Trey?
3: You know Rachel, that's a fantastic question. I don't know what I would do if I had to do it all over again and I, i'm I'm not big on looking back because it's the one thing we can't do anything about, and sometimes I get confused between regrets and remembrances but i I ran for Congress to get away from something to get it was like an honorable exit from the courtroom. I didn't have to like give up. I didn't want to become a criminal defense attorney. It was almost like an honorable Unimpeachable reason to leave my other job, but mm-hmm. it—you know—Sean's right. He had tough reelects, and I didn't have that problem. My district was small; it was one media market. Um, it's not a general election district, and yet I—I I, I still didn't. It—it it wasn't enough. So mm. um, yes, it is important work. It, but 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 we all have friends that stayed longer than they should have. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I I just rather jump before I'm pushed, and and you don't know what's on the other side. I mean, we're we're all lucky. Well, Rachel's talented. Sean and I are lucky that we found <laughs> positions at Fox,
1: and we yeah. and you and I both married talent. We right. we did Good that,
3: man. but you know, <laughs> I'm funny. I'm also lucky. My wife doesn't care. My, my I think Terry knows I was in Congress. I mean, I wouldn't put a <laughs> ton of money on it. That's just not how she judges. She just. Yeah doesn't judge me based on that.
2: Well, you, you, there's, there's a couple points. So first of all, the title, start, stay, leave. So that is love the title. And I want to talk about why you chose that title. You also talk about three ways to make a decision. So you can use your head, which is logic. You could use your heart, your emotions, and you can use your gut, um, which is your intuition. So how do you figure out when's the right time to use your heart, your head, your gut?
3: I try to use all three with every decision. And and I also talk a lot in this book about self-awareness. I mean, you have to, mm. I get, if I were to try to convince the two of y'all that I was smarter than I really was, or or all the things we try to kind of the facades we present to people, I do understand that. I get trying to like fool other people. I do not get trying to fool ourselves. Right. So what are my weaknesses? Um, I'm probably too logic driven. I, I want to know the facts. I want to know the worst case outcome. I mean, I had to give up a job. I love to run for DA, um, that what's the worst thing that can happen. Well, you don't feed your family. So do I have a plan for the worst case scenario? And that's all kind of logic. I also don't want to minimize emotion because it's so powerful. The, The analogy I would give Rachel is we all have these, navigation apps and devices. So we know, I think, or hope, I hope we know where we want to go, but there are eight, 10, 12, a hundred different paths to get us there. And the emotion to me is the music we choose to listen to while we're traveling. It can Hmm. excite us. It can put a little, you know, quicken our step, but we cannot let emotions pick the destination because it'll change a thousand times. Depending mm-hmm. on our mood, so i'm logic, emotion kind of provides the excitement of life. If I were making a decision about running for reelection, making it the night of the state of the Union would not be a good decision because that's that's one of the better nights of of mm-hmm. the term. It's better mm-hmm. to make it you know when you're in the middle of a shutdown and the water's turned off in the gym, and you can't take a shower, and there are no committee hearings, and you can't go home because you're waiting around to vote. <laughs> That's a better time <laughs> to make this time.
2: We'll have more of this conversation after this.
4: Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth.
2: I like that you include gut and intuition. I find, I have found, and I've had this discussion a lot with Will Kane, uh, by the way, my co-host who, um, you know, Will, Pete and I have come really close and Sean with them as well. And the older I get, the more... I trust my gut I, and, and I can't explain it. I've had intuition feelings about people. And when I was younger, I would ignore them. And then as I got older, I listened to them and I would say 98% of the time I'm right now. And I, didn't, I don't know if that's just because I'm old, <laughs> I, um, but the gut is old. important, isn't it?
3: I, you're not old. I would offer another word. I didn't use this word because it has, you know, kind of Southern Baptist connotations to it but uh, you are a woman of faith. I I think I would call it discernment.
2: Wisdom.
1: Wisdom. Yeah. So you mentioned that uh, a lot of us have weaknesses and recognizing the weakness is really important. And I think enough people aren't self-aware enough to think about their weakness. And then you can, you can overcome it with using your head, your emotion and your gut um, to navigate that weakness. But none of we don't think enough about what are my blind spots? What are my weaknesses? And how does that impact the decision making in my life? Oftentimes, it affects it for the worse.
3: You raise a great point, Sean. I mean, there are certain things we're good at, but we don't enjoy. And, and maybe we don't need to do those things. But there are a lot of things we really love, but we're just not good at them. Mm-hmm. I and mean, you and I serve with people who are not great public speakers. Um, that did not right. keep them from going to the floor of the house and putting <laughs> us to sleep. We served with people who were not great in committee at asking questions. That did not. Now, I mean, there's certain things we can get better at. So I don't mean just you know the die is cast when we're born, but the, we all know people who think they're really, really, really better at something than the rest of us know they are, and. So, so that's what I mean by why would we ever lie to ourselves?
2: I, I think that's a great point. You know what I think you talked about. You didn't put that in your book because it's Baptist. I'm going to give you something that's very Catholic. Um, and I think that being married, um, to the right person who can
1: humble you, humble
2: you, <laughs> um, that's part of it. Like you're sometimes we don't see stuff in ourselves. Um, some of that baggage and things that we do and. And the way we look at things that are, you know, come from our family of origin. And so I think here's the Catholic word. It's called sanctification. And that being married um, allows you, you know, through your partner to see some of your own weaknesses and to fix them. And that's the sanctifying part about being married. And so that, that's also a, a component. I mean, you, you've all, we've all met people who are like I have some aunts that never got married. And they're very eccentric. They're very set in their ways. And they've never had anyone, you know, kind of point out like, that's weird. Like, why do you do that? You know, or why are you like that? What do you think about that? Like that being married is part of bringing that self-awareness.
3: I think that the best decision I have ever made in life was the person that I picked to marry. So I think you're 100% right. I would add to that we're lucky if our spouse becomes one of our Nathans or one of our most trusted, closest advisors, yes, uh, my wife and my mom can get me to do things that n- no one else in the <laughs> world can get me to do. I literally Explain no the Nathan
2: concept, can. Trey, so that people know what, what you're talking about, because I like that chapter
3: as well. So King David, most powerful guy in the world, he's uh, up on a rooftop and sees Bathsheba, who was someone else's wife, and you know, he he engages in conspiracy to commit murder. Among other things, he kills Uriah the Hittite. Just a terrible series of decisions, but he had an advisor named Nathan who came to him afterward and told a story about a rich man taking advantage of a poor man, and David burned with anger and said, "Is surely as we're talking right here today, I'm going to take that rich man's life. And Nathan said, that man is you. You're the man. You're the guy that did it, David. So that got me thinking, do we have anyone in our lives that that has earned the right to tell us that, that you're wrong, that you should have done this differently? And better yet, Rachel, do we have someone in our lives that can come to us before we make the bad decision? I mean, David needed Nathan on the rooftop when he first saw Bathsheba, not just afterwards. He right. needed her on the front end. So mm-hmm. we're lucky if we live with our best advisors. We are lucky.
1: Yeah i think i think that's you such and i did that well Trey. we have we we have good advisors and and perfect advisors too so th- there's not much we can oh, criticize and oh, oh, improve with them but they have a lot for us no doubt uh as the right. faulted men that we are can i ask you about this train because I, I this struck me as well in chapter four you talk about consulting your dreams right and and it's and this is this balance of you know what's my dream but do I have? I mean, again, my dream is to be in Congress, but I can't speak publicly, and I'm a horrible politician. Maybe I shouldn't run for Congress, or maybe I, you know, I want to, I want to be a prosecutor, but you know, I'm just not good in the courtroom. How talk to me about consulting your dreams, um, and how that impacts the decisions that you make in your life?
3: Well, you have to be honest with yourself, and there's a reason we call them dreams. Um, and sometimes that's a goal that we aspire to, and sometimes it's just something we do for an hour out of the day. Um, I I love golf. I'm never gonna play on one of the tours. But for 45 minutes on a Saturday afternoon on the driving range, if I hit a couple of shots good in a row, I can dream about being on the senior
4: <laughs> on the championship.
3: <laughs> or, you know, let's assume that, you know, that Rachel at one point when she was a little girl had a dream of being you know, in Hollywood or being on Broadway, there's nothing wrong with her for an hour while she's doing something else, just dreaming of what that would be like. Or you mentioned someone who wants to be in Congress, watch the State of the Union. And what would your reaction be? When would you stand up? When would you clap? Watch a committee hearing. What would you ask? So, But knowing that, okay, the hour's up. I've got to go back to my job. I've got to go back to my family. Some, some dreams can come true. Um, You can be in Congress. Uh, the chances are slight, but you can be. Mm-hmm. That's where kind of self-awareness and logic kind of plays in. If we start selling stuff and abusing relationships or ignoring relationships in pursuit of some dream that has a 1% chance of happening, uh, that's foolhardy. That's ridiculous. I- I've studied for the bar with a guy that wanted to play major league baseball, Sean. He, he, I mean, he, he was, Rachel was bigger than Philip was. He was never going to be a major (laughs) league baseball player, but for an hour every day, studying for the bar exam, he got to be a major league catcher. I would go Mm -hmm. out there and pitch to him. There's nothing wrong with that. And and there's everything right about it. But when the hour's up, you got to go back and study for the bar exam, Philip, because you're not going to be a major league baseball catcher.
1: Get back in the library. Get back in the library.
2: But a lot of people told when Sean was trying to when when, you know, Sean, I told Sean, I think you should run for Congress. The first time I told Sean that he thought it was crazy. And then little by little he was working in the, you know, state party, you know, doing doing things, going to the party events, um, the Republican Party events, and eventually this all happened. But when Sean and you know said, Okay, I'm gonna run in this cycle, I mean he tried to get Paul Ryan on the phone. Paul Ryan, I mean, this, this seat had been held by someone for 40, 40 years. I mean, nobody no thought it me. could be, it could be done. And so there we is, did on own. yeah. I mean, there is something about, you can take a something that people think could never happen and, and you can do it. I think that's really, I mean, I, I do think that, that dreams can't come true. I mean, Sean wanted to do it. And he and he did it.
1: I have a different story for you, Trace. So Rachel's really good at this. Um, She actually will talk about, and I've heard a lot of people say this as well. But you have to say your dream out loud. I believe if you have it, I do believe you have to be able to say it. And I don't know if I'm going to get hit for saying this, but there was at one point Rachel was like, "I want to do Fox and Friends." So she was just a contributor. She wanted to do Fox and Friends, and I was kind of like, "Really, you think you can do Fox and Friends?" Thanks, I was kind of to say right when we talk about this a lot she jabs me and jibes totally me on this right.
2: you never said you you never said that couldn't to do me. It. no
1: I, no I, no
2: you never said it out loud He
1: said it and all of a sudden she's she mentioned it to other people and all of a sudden she got a, a shot to fill in and do fox and friends and now she's the co-host of fox and friends weekend but she said it and she had the skill set to do it to your to your point but i think talking about and thinking about and saying the dream actually Actually matters, and then maybe people go, "Are you crazy? You don't have the skill for that." Or like, you know what? You should actually pursue that dream. But saying it is part of making it a reality. Am I wrong on that, Trey?
3: No, I think it's important who we say it to. Yes. Um, Anyone who's around Rachel knows that she has uh, the perfect personality for that. She is vivacious and she's smart and she follows current events. She would be a natural. What she needed was an opportunity. She just needed the opportunity. But we also know, Sean, people that if they said, my dream is to be on Fox and Friends and they don't have any of those qualities, then you do need someone in your life to say, look, what's your second dream? Uh, (laughs) If that one one doesn't come true, would you like to be a producer? Would you like to be a writer? I mean, look, I love basketball more than anything in the world when I was growing up. I would be out in the sleet and freezing rain practicing basketball. It was never going to happen never and that's genetics when you're slow and you can't jump and you can't shoot you're not going to play you know professional basketball so yeah. it was great it it kept me occupied it probably kept me out of trouble Rachel's dream was within reach right because she had the skill set she just needed the opportunity so also there's a chapter about means motive and opportunity and for her all three came together uh, she she had the desire, she had the ability, and they gave her a chance. But let's assume she had the desire, but not the ability. That would be. I mean, there's certain things you can learn. You you can figure out how to do it. I don't know that being vivacious and being quick on your feet on television is one of them. I I don't know.
2: I do believe in like you know. I studied economics. That was my major in college, and I the. the You know, it's an economic principle of, you know, comparative advantage, like looking at, you know, if I, you know, I went, when I lived in LA, I thought I wanted to be an actress and I went to acting school and I tried doing it. And I realized very early on, I I was not a good actress. I just wasn't. And somebody told me, I don't remember who was some casting person or somebody in the business said, you know, I think hosting is where you're at. You're better at just being yourself. And and I I didn't follow that. I I kept trying to pursue acting and then somehow eventually came around to, you know, doing what you're what you're good at. I want to get back really quick to the art of decision making, because so many of us are confronted with really big decisions in our life. And that's why the the title of your of your book, um, you know, is so good, Um, you know, stay uh, start, stay or leave. And I go back to this excruciating decision that Sean and I made, you know, of, of whether he should get out of Congress or when he should get out of Congress. But there are, were many, many other decisions in our life that were excruciating. We always get go to this idea, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, Trey, of beating a dead horse. We literally talk about it a lot. All the time. All the time. We talk about it and talk about it. And different somehow, from different. different angles, from this angle, from that angle, and we're talking about big decisions, right, in life, not the everyday decisions that you have to be decisive and quick on, but uh, you know, long-term decisions that have an impact on, on, on our, on our lives and on our kids and our family. And it, eventually, after we talk about it enough, it does become clear. And also, the thing that I have found interesting, again, using this example of you know what we what we ended up doing is, I have gotten lots of signs. That we did do the right thing in terms of things that have happened in our family beautiful moments that we have had since we left that we would have never had um uh, just seeing our family kind of getting back into balance um there have been some some really powerful moments that have reassured us in this decision that was so scary to make because you know we've been doing it for 10 years um you know this life in congress
3: what sounds to me like you you cross examine the heck out of the decision before you made it because you yes. realize that once made this is not one where you can change your mind and go back and you know buy the car all over again or sell the car i mean you're out you're out of congress and somebody else is in that seat and it's an even tougher path to get back so you cross examine the heck out of it the bigger the decision i think the more time if you have it obviously you spend on it and then validation, ratification, um, you know, the Southern Baptist uh, in me would call it peace. After you make the decision, is there peace? And it sounds like, A, there was peace. There's always going to be some nostalgia. Y'all are also, you know, fact-centric enough to know, okay, well, that's that was an hour and a half. How about the rest of the two-year term? Okay, so we missed out on that exciting hour and a half. It's almost like sort of like making a movie when it's all said and done, it looks fantastic, but the process is so painful and long and arduous. I am glad that y'all got ratification validation. And I'm also glad that Sean got to leave on his own terms. And look, I mean, let's don't kid ourselves. When we were in the house, people wanted Sean to run for Senate. I, I don't think I'm remembering that incorrectly, Sean. I mean, they, no. They wanted you the, to run for even more than what you were.
1: They, they wanted you to run for Senate, and you'd run for president. So yeah. that was.
3: A- <laughs> well, it yeah, but they never our, said a, a which level of
1: classification. <laughs>
3: yeah, they never said you which. Sound country. like you
2: have peace, Trey. Obviously, you found you found peace. Do you feel like what you're doing now? I mean, that you're contributing as much or more to?
1: Because I think it's, it's a good question. Because you have the you have the number one podcast at Fox. You have a great platform on Sunday nights um, with your own show that you have a, a considerable amount of say over on what you put out and what message you deliver. And in a way, I mean, you, you, you got to vote in Congress, but the impact you have on the conversation and the culture has been now amplified even more with the podcast and with your, your position at Fox.
3: And I would add to that a private thing that nobody probably uh, even knows about, which is teaching a class at, at a local liberal arts school. And I teach a law school class.
1: You do. So what, do you, I, what do you teach?
3: I, 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 I teach a class on persuasion, about how, how to be good in front of a jury. And I teach the criminal justice system. I want system. to
2: take this class.
3: You don't need it, Rachel. You <laughs> can teach the class. You don't need it. But so that's off television. Nobody knows I do that. But the seeing young people, you know, my kids age, a little bit younger than my kids, learn critical reasoning and learn to see the other side of an argument um, is so rewarding. And it is off camera. Nobody really except my co-teacher even knows I do it. But it brings me a lot of a lot of fulfillment. So um, I, I love that. the. the Fox is, is fantastic. They, they don't tell me what to say or who to have on on Sunday nights. But I also could not do, Sean, what you do. I couldn't do it five nights a week. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do what Rachel does. I mean, I got barely enough ideas for one, one night a week. Barely. So it's, a, it's I important doubt that happen. I know I doubt that. that.
2: I doubt that. No, trust um, me. Wait right there. We're going to have more of that conversation
0: next. that's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
1: And, and you're going to do that in South Carolina, right? You, I mean, you're going to be at home as you do your show, which is fantastic for the, for the life, work, family balance. It's, it's actually really cool. And with technology today, there's so many more opportunities like that. You go, I can have this amazing career, but I'm at home in the place that I love.
3: Yeah. Again, I I am so grateful, Fox. I mean, nothing against New York and Washington. Um, I just I, I love being home, just like y'all love being home, and they let me do it literally from my home. And at eight oh one, I walk out, and there's my beautiful wife and Mary Langston, who is my scheduler in Congress, and they're both asleep. Uh, they fell asleep during my show, <laughs> but there's just something beautiful about being in your own den. Uh you know, one minute after your workday is up. And then then I'll start getting the text from you know all of our former colleagues and friends, Sean, about all the things we should have said and did not say and got wrong. Rachel, I don't, don't know if you do you get those you texts, care, Rachel. <laughs> Does what? anybody what? you get texts from people telling you what you should have done?
2: Um sometimes you get suggestions sometimes on what I to say. Suggest- yeah. I get some suggestions. Um uh, people text me even during the show because we have a four hour show. You know, Trey, so there's plenty of time to, like... Oh,
3: I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I See, I know I could never do what you do, because you have co-hosts, and you can't... Like, there's an article out this week about uh, another network uh, morning show having some problems uh, yeah, stepping on that, one another. The Don
2: LeMond <laughs> moments where he's like, yeah. yeah, you know what? I have to tell you, that is... My co-hosts uh, are just so awesome. We just have fun, those four hours... We feel like on the weekend we broke into the building because there's no one there, and we kind of put on this fun show and uh, we just have a blast. The, the hours—it sounds like a long, like I say, four hours, but it it just flies by. Um, but I the, here's the hard part: I do have to get up at three in the morning. <laughs> I have to leave my house at three in the morning. So
3: uh, and, we, uh, and we, see, we, you got to well, know you. yourself. And I don't—I'm not convinced there is a three a.m. I haven't seen it <laughs> since I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> College is the last time I saw 3 a.m., and it wasn't waking up at 3 a.m. It was
0: yeah, coming I be- in at 3 I bet. I but bet.
1: But it's, you know, to, to, to do something that you love. And for us, I, I love Wisconsin. Rachel, as you mentioned, is from Arizona originally, but we spent the last 23 years in Wisconsin and had for these jobs to move to New Jersey, which frankly, it has been a lot better than I would have thought it would have been, would yeah, have been. been but nice. our hearts, like, like you, you were in, you know, your South heart's in Carolina, South Carolina,
2: Sean's in Wisconsin. Mine's in
1: Wisconsin and, and we dearly miss it, but you know what? The most important thing is I'm with my family, I, and I, I was, like you, you were gone from your family, I was gone from mine in Congress, and now uh, to be to, to be with my family is the most meaningful thing for me, and I look at, we're talking a lot about Congress in our time in Congress, Trey, and we had the opportunity to do some wonderful things and fight some really great battles. But I, I look at my time and I go, you know what? I've met some really remarkable people, really talented people with all these diverse backgrounds, but probably one of the most impressive people that I've met uh, is you. I mean, you—the you, the, your intellect, your generosity, your wit and humor brought a lot to our conference, uh, brought a lot to the country. And as on a personal note, no one has been more generous and kind to me from the first we weren't even sworn in on the first day we went and ran a bus from the hotel to go to orientation um trey Gowdy, uh what you see on tv he's even better in person you're a gem of a man and that's why you know listen I, I appreciate you writing this book start stay or leave you know to kind of go you know what i've picked up some lessons in life and i want to share them with anyone who's willing to read them and listen and, and help make better decisions as they navigate the course of their own lives on the lessons that you've had and so I, again this is just an extension of what i saw in congress of trey gowdy given given back given more and still keeping his priorities in place his family in his golf yeah
2: <laughs> i'm, I'm taking this book and i i'm giving my copy to my son and then i'm going to have him pass it on to my daughter um, I think this book is so important. I think we're all faced with these. Crossroads. Say, no, you're
1: supposed to buy books. I know. No, no.
2: But honestly, I do think we are all doesn't matter what age we are. We, we reach these crossroads and we have to make these decisions. And there's so much wisdom in your book about how to make those decisions. But more importantly, how to think really far ahead about what you want to remember, be remembered by. Um, what are your true values? Who are the important people who really matter uh, what they think um, versus, you know, what the world thinks? And I think I think you really brought that home in this book. I, I, I think the book is fantastic.
3: Well, I, I cannot thank you both enough. Uh, Sean, you were the most famous person I had ever seen. So that's why I was <laughs> nice was, to you. on the bar bar bar. I, <laughs> I had never I mean, I saw Van Halen on MTV but i didn't have van halen on the bus with me i had you so (laughs) i I also i also want to thank you all for giving me the pleasure of work of working with Avita and and so when i think about this people
2: don't know that wait a minute so vita was trey Gowdy's intern in the summer
1: (laughs) he was gracious enough to have her come and work in his office which was
3: wonderful and you know what you know what when i think back on congress it was the duffy's and Christy Nome and some of our other colleagues to say we trust you with the most precious thing we have, which is our children, for them to work in your office for a period of time, honestly meant more to me than anyone saying, hey, give a speech here or give a speech there. I mean, to say we trust you in your office enough that we're going to put one of our children there. But there's no reason for Avita to make the same mistakes that I made. So, So when we write books um part of it is uh these are the mistakes i made you don't have to mm-hmm. touch the stove I, I can tell you it's hot you don't have to touch it yes. um i mean she's already done so much more than i mean when i was her age i, I wasn't doing what she's doing but we I we want to feel you the, the same
2: y'all. way <laughs> we that, were partying was... on mtv and she's writing for the federalist i get i <laughs> we, we all we were also humbled by it. she loved working at your office and um what she loved about it was not just, you know, the interaction she had with you, which of course she could have worked for anybody in Congress on the Republican side. And um, we recommended you and she wanted to work for you. And that says, and you said,
1: we're going to phrase like, sure, she can come work for you.
2: But she also loved how she, you know, she didn't have any experience with the South. You know, that was her first experience of feeling that, you know, that regional warmth and love that came out of your office and she she definitely spoke a lot about that South Carolina hospitality um from having worked in that office so we we're always grateful that you let her work there
3: she's so kind but here's here's my regret all the young people that worked in my office the dominant thing that they heard was that he's the dumbest person in the world, and I think that confuses them because if you don't know everyone in the world, how can you possibly say that Congressman (laughs) Gowdy is the dumbest? So I'm sure she was sitting there thinking, well, he might be. He probably is, but how do you know that? I mean, talk about a hard job answering the phone in a congressional office. Oh, my heaven, Sean. Can you imagine what some of our folks heard?
1: They heard yeah.
3: And
2: no, in your district, they loved yeah, you. Like, you have no idea. In in uh in a 50-50 district. I
1: should, I, I, would, I would take my own phone calls many times. I would say I'm John on the phone call, just not Sean. And then they been there bitch about Sean <laughs> as they were actually talking to me. I should have had you come in and answer some phone showing me from that but southern phone. accent <laughs> just to get a little taste of it. listen, they were were
3: lucky. They were lucky. I never, it did not matter what was going on. I don't know that I've ever seen you, but that you did not have a smile on your face. And uh, there were plenty of times you should not have had one, but
1: um, I I tried to emulate you. Good, good humor (laughs) and good spirit is, is the way to get through all things in life. And listen, Trey, I I, I just, I, I appreciate you doing our podcast. I appreciate you writing the book. I appreciate your friendship um and i appreciate what you you, what you're still doing for the country because i think to have this this really smart thoughtful take on the listen this country's going through a lot of stuff right now there's a lot of issues at play and you you have this approach i think that that uh, rachel might be a little more partisan sometimes on her show you just you kind of take this this tack that i think help even independents and democrats walk through what common sense um your ideas are and how wrong the left is and so um I appreciate that and it's a good service
2: you leave I have to ask you one last question yes ma'am all right so the title of your book okay keep it in mind should Joe Biden, <laughs> stay.
1: Stop. <laughs> should Please. he should he start, stay, or leave? Okay, so what what is give what him, is give your answer? Given
2: everything that's happened, Great Chinese final question. Balloon, the I mean everything going on in the world right now. You're giving advice to the president.
1: Should he start, don't stay, this, or leave? Don't get this answer wrong. Well, here's the way
3: I would look at it. If he were to call, I would say, I'm afraid that people that have been in politics that long, Rachel, that's what they see in their final picture. They see a politician. And Mm. if that's what you see, you're never going to leave. I'm a big fan of leaving, you know, a moment or two before people want you to not having to be pushed out. But the chances of someone I mean, it takes a remarkable amount of humility to say I could do this, but I'm not going to do it. And I don't see a ton of that in politics. I think uh, for him to leave, he will have to be beaten. Mm. But I'll also say this, you know, what who would the nominee be if it weren't him? I guarantee you we would not like uh, the nominee uh, any more than we like President Biden. So um, can
2: I can I make a point on this here? Yes. I'm going to give you my my thought on it. Yes, My thought on it is shame on Jill Biden. It was very obvious. And I say this as a political spouse. And I've said this on the air. And by the way, Jill Biden's press office tried to get me fired for saying it. And I'll say it till I'm blue in the face because I I was a political spouse. And I love Sean too much that if I saw any sign of. Even the smallest sign of
1: dementia, which she sees sometimes.
2: <laughs> no, but seriously, I I can't believe that she would put her husband through this. It was it's very clear he wasn't up for the job. Um, it's very clear that there were going to be humiliating moments, and there. there have been plenty for him and plenty for the country because he was not ready. And I do think this goes back to what we were talking about: self awareness and the role of a spouse. I really um I I really put a lot of this um on jill biden and so that's my opinion i think she as a spouse if she loved her husband she shouldn't have let him run and i think the country would have been better for it and i agree with you maybe the other options weren't weren't great either but i suspect kamala would not have been the nominee i suspect it would have been bernie sanders and then i think trump probably would have beat bernie sanders but that's well, i'll tell um, you
3: this I'm not good at math, but I think the three of us got the same number of delegates as Kamala Harris. Uh, <laughs> it thinks so the, too on the Democrat side. So no, I do not think she would have been the nominee. I mean, I think all four of us are sitting at zero delegates.
2: Yeah. Well. Anyway, thanks so much for for your for your time on this podcast, and again for this. I book, love both I think of you. Oh, we love, love you both. too.
1: We love you back, right. Trey. You're a great American brother. Thank you for y'all joining y'all too.
3: us. God bless you. And I can't remember the names of all of your children, but tell them I ask about them.
1: <laughs> we can't remember them either. We can't either. <laughs> Thank you, Trey.
0: Thank you, God Trey. Bless
1: y'all. God bless you. God care. bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we appreciate you joining us for this special edition of the great Trey Gowdy joining us Isn't he great on his on his new book, uh, which is fantastic. He, he, the, the the book is as smart as he is. Start um, if say leave.
2: If you're having a big decision in your life, most of us are a great a great book to read, a great way to start to think through some of these big decisions in your life. Big and small. Big and small. Trey Gowdy.
1: Till next time. Bye everybody. Bye-bye.
2: Listen ad free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple
0: Podcast. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music App.
4: from the Fox News Podcasts network.
3: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast Kennedy Saves the World. It is 5 days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnews.podcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.